a couple of old farts talking about some old Christian music. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to The Winding Road Home, available on demand on all major podcast platforms, including the one you're using right now. I'm Russ Salerno, your show host. Alongside with me is my lovely wife, Yvette. Hello, there she is. everybody. How's, uh, how has your day been? And the reason why I ask her, again, because we're in quarantine, we stay in our little rooms. We're quarantined inside of quarantine. So we, I've quarantined myself inside a room that's quarantined inside of another room. So I'm like triple quarantine. I mean, I, there's no way I'm getting sick. You're in the bat cave. I'm in the bat cave. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I don't really, I don't really get to see her much. But mm-hmm. uh, it's good to good to see you. You, you, look, you look good today. You're aging well. Um, <clears throat> so we are grateful that you take time out of your day to listen to the show. It means a great deal to us. We love you guys. Uh, definitely appreciate. We would definitely love it if you subscribe to the show. Um, and um, you can do that just if you're on your podcast app. Be sure to just like subscribe to it. It'll, it'll, it'll remind you when, when a new show um, is, is posted. And more importantly, you can rate us and give us that five-star rating that we always want. We have nothing but five-star reviews so let's keep it up. No pressure. So, yeah, no thank you very much right for there. that. We do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, thanks to all the servicemen and women, uh, as well as the frontline workers that have been keeping America going, uh, nurses, doctors, truck drivers, emergency service, men and women. America's running on fumes right now. And uh, if it weren't for those people, we would definitely um, be in trouble. And most definitely not have any toilet paper, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um Thank Which you. I found last week. Yes. Toilet paper. Very exciting. Toilet paper is worth more parole than a barrel of oil right now. So oil is a, negative. It was negative. My goodness. Yeah, it was negative yesterday. It did for the first time. If I had somewhere time. to store those barrels. Yeah. Well, everybody's thinking that. Um, but uh, hey, today we have um, a special guest. We have a very special guest. He um, he was my roommate in college, and he's a good friend. We've been friends. For uh, friends, we've been friends forever. I was going to start singing the Michael W. Smith song, Friends, but I I didn't want to mess that up. But um, when we come back, I'm going to introduce you guys to Bill Reeves and uh, quite a story um, uh, in in many ways. He's a a good guy. We'll we'll, uh, be introducing Bill Reeves and chatting about some old time Christian music next. All right, so uh, Yvette, you you know you know Bill, and and uh, you, you know him very well, and and I, I've you know ran into Bill at UCF, University of Central Florida, in Orlando, Florida, um, and uh, joining us, Bill Reeves. How you doing, Baba? How are you guys? Honored to be here with you tonight. It's it's an honor to have you. Um, you know, you're such a um, uh, a success story. I mean, you know, you had a passion for something 
way, way back in the day, and uh, you, you, you took that and you ran with it, and you've done amazing things um, uh, through Christ. I know through Christ um, because you, I don't know, um, I don't know that I've ever heard you ever pat yourself on the back. So um, you're, you're, you're that kind of guy that, um, that just gives God all the glory, and I think that's why he, he's blessing you. So, uh, in fact, I know that to be true. Um, so I'm going to do my best to introduce you, um, and, and just correct me if I'm wrong. So Bill Reeves, uh, currently the CEO of Educational Media Foundation, it's also known as the EMF Broadcasting. You might not recognize EMF, but I'm certain you've listened to Caleb Radio and you and you recognize Caleb Radio. Well, Caleb is governed by EMF, and um, it also governs. WTA Media, which is Bill, that was your that was your old company, right? Right, that's right. And then Air One Radio as well. So um, WTA Media, um, and you 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 serve like uh, filmmakers and authors and artists, and you know doing books and films and in all kinds of consumer type products in the Christian uh, in the Christian business. Um, um, yep. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, vegetales and and I mean, I don't, I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I mean you, you, he's done he's worked on some things that you, as definitely as a Christian has been is either in your home or has been in your home and influenced you um, and honored Christ in some way, shape, or form. Um, so, Bill, you joined uh, EMF in uh, 2019, and you've got you've got what 30 plus years now experience in Christian media. Yeah, you know, my first job in Christian media was when you and I were roommates uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s at UCF. And I worked in a Christian record store in yep. Orlando. I remember that. Yeah. And so I, and and I think what you said early on is, is kind of what happened. I just found something that, that God just put a real desire on my heart and, uh, you know, I think that verse in Proverbs about train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he, he won't depart from it. My parents encouraged my love of Christian music, and it, it led to a career that I've enjoyed for 32 years now. That's awesome. And now, so, um, so, I, so, so then I, I can safely say that maybe I was a part of the kickoff of your career like i mean maybe i got a little something to, oh you were maybe instrumental I, weren't just, you well, i was an instrument <laughs> i was a i was an instrumental part of the the uh, I'm, I'm just playing um but Wait, uh, no, let me tell you 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 were early there uh, a part of it because you loved christian music and i remember uh driving your um i believe it was a was it a trans am or a firebird a yeah. white car yeah yeah that you and I would go down uh, to International Drive on yep. the weekend. Yep. You would uh, you would play Christian music, and you were one of the few guys I knew in college that that loved Christian music like I did. So, so I'm, I'm going to say the only people cruising International Drive else, with Christian music. Yeah, everyone else was rocking. I never to, knew that uh, story. Snoop Dogg, and and we're 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 we're, we're rocking some Michael W. Smith, man. Oh <laughs> we're, ki we're killing it we're killing it so yeah um uh, yeah so it, you know it's it's um so i i gotta tell you i got my first introduction to christian music my mom gave me two tapes a keith green tape and i say cassette tapes you remember back in the day right so cassette tapes. Oh, yeah. so she gave me a keith green and a russ taff and it was oh. russ taff's original out i wish i had the cassette it was his first one yeah, and yeah and i mean that got me started 
you know, and then of of course, shortly after that, I mean, how old were you then? When was that out? My first introduction to Ruff's Tap was my my brother, and when we were in high or I was in high school, and it was the Metals album. Yeah, Metals yeah. is <clears throat> so. So this was after that. Well, Yours was earlier. And, sounds and, like. Well, in my it, when when people have asked me what my top ten favorite albums are of all time, my number one album, and it has been for thirty plus years, is Russ Taft's self titled record. Yes, Russ Taft that came. It was the record immediately after Metals. Yes, exactly. And he has quite the story. And yes, he and mm-hmm. yes, he does. And so and so, guess what? My favorite Russ Taft song is off of that album. I still believe, dude. It's mine. It's mine as well, dude. I still believe is it. I mean, I have that listed as probably my second favorite song. Uh, It's in the top three, for sure. Oh yeah, Yeah, no, no question. And uh, just a little sidebar, I've gotten to know Russ a bit through the years, and um, I, I, the the first time we spent um, uh, a, a lunch together, he told me a lot of the stories behind um, how his career came into being and how specifically that album came together uh, at an incredibly dark part of his life Mm -hmm. and um, how God just used some of those deep, dark moments to create some of the most incredible art Christian music's ever seen. And uh, when you hear him singing those songs, they were absolutely from a place of uh, deep desperation uh, for the Lord. So uh, it means more to me now that I've gotten to know Russ a little bit and uh, heard some of those stories. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, uh, you can tell it when he's singing it. Like, I mean, even, even though it's a studio album, and sometimes studio albums aren't as, I don't know, they're they're a little more cleaner cut and whatever, but his... That 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 album in particular, you could feel that I think, uh, in, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, Metals is is a good album for sure, but I the the self titled album I'm, that to me is is my favorite one uh, as, as well uh, of yep. his. Um, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, so so tell me tell tell the tell the audience about your journey though, because I mean, you know, uh, starting uh, WTA and then and then. Yep moving yeah. on and and how did this even start and and and, and, and you know tell me and tell us how how you got where you're at like you know what what happened how, this is awesome well um i i really believe that it came from uh, a calling that i really felt on my life at 15 years old i went to a summer camp with my church and i just had a, a devotion one morning that just i mean i can still remember it like it happened this morning and uh, it was probably one of the first times I, I really felt clear communication from the Lord as a, as a young man. And so, you know, I came to Christ as a nine-year-old, and um, I fell in love with Christian music in my teenage years. And it, it, it really followed me. It, it was really sort of the foundation uh, of my life. And I, I started, like I said, in a small Christian bookstore. Um, that led me to be able to work for some of the, the music companies, the, some of the bigger Christian music companies. And so I, I navigated uh, over a series of years through uh, Benson Music, uh, which at the time were, were bands like For Him and East to West. And, and then I ended up going to Word, Word Music, which was 
really where I ultimately wanted to be in the music business. Um, at the time, you know, I went in and they were working, uh, you know, Amy Grant was the big artist and uh, some new artists were breaking like Point of Grace and Jackie Velasquez. And of course, you know, my Christian music hero was always Michael W. Smith and we were distributing uh, Michael's content through Reunion Records. And so, in fact, my first, my very first gold record uh, was Michael W. Smith's I'll Lead You Home. So I still have that in my office today. It's one of my treasures. And, uh, uh, but we, we spent those years. So that was about 12 years of my career. And then around 2000, uh, I just really felt like God was leading me uh, a little different direction in the entertainment business. And so uh, for about three years, I worked for a tomato and a cucumber named Bob and Larry <laughs> and uh, the VeggieTales brand and, and really had a great uh, season there, specifically working on their first movie called Jonah, a VeggieTales movie. That was my first screen credit uh, in the film business. And that was what led to the next, um, gosh, almost 20 years of working in film and home entertainment. And uh, so I, I did that for a number of years. Um, then I went, when VeggieTales went through its difficult financial years, uh, I was fortunate to jump over and work on a series of kids video series with an author named Max Licata. Uh, and the series was called Hermy and Friends. That was a real treat. Um, I, I had grown up a huge fan of the Andy Griffith show and the Carol Burnett show. And the two voice talents for Hermie were Tim Conway and Don Knotts. So I got to work with Tim and Don uh, some before their passing, and that was just a real joy for me. But it led to um, going to work for a, a marketing company in Nashville, Tennessee, that focused on the faith-based audience. And um, we spent a lot of time creating and marketing products for the faith-based audience. It's, as you know, both of you know, it's a tremendously underserved audience. And when it is served, it generally does very well. You know, if you think about things like Chip and Joanna Gaines on HGTV or uh, the Duggars on TLC or uh, the Bible series or Duck Dynasty on A&E. Um, you think about the best-selling books, you know, uh, Purpose Driven Life, Left Behind, The Love Dare. You think about uh, movies that have done incredibly well, like the Kendrick Brothers. There's, there's just a lot of demand out there. And so I worked for a marketing agency for about five years that focused on faith film specifically. Um, during those years, I got to know a couple of brothers in southwest Georgia named Stephen and Alex Kendrick, um, they, the Kendrick brothers, who were making movies like Facing the Giants and Fireproof and Courageous. And uh, during that season, while I was certainly focusing on the marketing of the film, I was also building a relationship with them and other filmmakers that led me to start my own company, the WTA Group, uh, back in 2009. And I represented filmmakers and um, worked on the marketing of their films and helped them develop a lot of the ancillary products around their films. 
and then uh, about seven years ago got into running a hedge fund that uh, handles film finance and uh, that led to the role I have now which was um, EMS approaching me and asking me if uh, as they grow out their ministry beyond just radio uh, into film and books and music uh, would you know what I have interest in coming and leading that charge and making WTA be a part of that and be at least the film at least the film part of that and so my wife and I prayed about it and it took about a year to get to a, a place where both sides had a lot of peace about it and uh, as you noted last July became the CEO of EMF and have the privilege of leading the K-Love and Air One radio networks and continuing to lead the company that that I started uh, 11 years ago, WTA. And um, it's been quite a journey, Bubba, and you've been able to, you know, walk it with me uh, off and on through the years. And uh, I'm just incredibly grateful that the Lord let this little kid from Cocoa, Florida uh, be such a... such a part of the Christian music industry, uh, even today. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> when I hear your so- your story, um, I hear a lot of uh, God's sovereignty. You know, um, putting strategically people in the right places at the right time in front of you, um, and um, and then you seizing on those opportunities, um, not selfishly, but but just sovereignly being you know noticing that and and um, um, yep. you know so right. yeah so. Uh, that's awesome. Um, you know, I, um, in many ways, um, so, you know, my, my, my story is a lot different than yours. I mean, I, but it's very similar as well. I, I actually became a Christian at nine years of age as well. I don't know if you knew that. Um, yeah, March knew of, you were young. yeah, March 4th, 1979. So it was, it was nine, nine years old and, um, very, and so I had, you know, and, and, and Bill, and, and those of you who know me probably know this, and maybe some people in the audience don't know uh, this, so you'll learn something about me today, is that I felt a call to be in ministry, and I didn't know what that was. when I, I knew that when I was like 15, 16 years old, um, I, was, I, I just wanted to be in ministry, and I just didn't, I didn't know to what capacity, um, and I, I just really wasn't sure. And football was kind of an accident. UCF, UCF. I don't know if you knew this, is and 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 maybe I told you this, but Bugsy Engelberg, who was the uh, who was Gene McDowell's personal friend, and he was also Oakland Raiders uh, a special teams coach for many years. Um, uh, I got to kick in front of him. I was I was registered to go to Valencia College. You know, I was going to go to the community college and just and then eventually get into ministry or whatever. And then uh, when Bugsy saw me kick um, out at the Citrus Bowl with my dad. Um, he, and when I was done kicking, I kicked a session of about, I don't know, 40, 50 footballs. And my dad and him were talking. And then when I got done, um, Bugsy said, uh, I think you could kick for UCF um, for sure. And uh, so he made a phone call. Long story short, um, I, I'm the, the punter for UCF um, a couple years later and ended up punting with him for three, for three years. And so I sort of, uh, somewhat turned my back on, you know, quote unquote ministry, like structured, like a ministry, like, you know, being a pastor or being you know in ministry of some, uh, in some, some way. Um, and so I kind of, I, I said no to that and said yes to football. And, and of course, uh, my test, part of my testimony is that I, um, I, I took football in, 
you know, kind of made it a little bit of an idol. I pursued the NFL thing and uh, got super close, um, you know, but didn't realize until I was about 31 years old that I had, um, I'd been making football an idol this whole time and, and wasn't really, not that I was, was not a Christian and didn't love the Lord, but I just kind of, you know, I had this dream. I had this, you know, when Bugsy said I could do it, and then I, I started having confidence in myself and in my game, and then next thing you know, here I am, football's in front of God. And um, so I, I, I kind of have, you know, I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to envy, um, but I, I kind of like even as, as I sit here today, I, I, I wonder, you know, what would have been, what would have been like had I, you know, did I not trust the Lord? Um, you know, what, what, what was going on back then when, when my mind, when I was young and, and, um, you know, so in, you know, I've served the Lord in, um, in many capacities, but feel like maybe I could have done something, uh, not necessarily bigger, but maybe I could have made that decision and just said no to football, but I don't know. I, you know, I look back and... Well, what's interesting to hear you talk about that, share that, Bubba, was, you know, I I would look at it maybe a little differently. Um, I I would say that God, uh, while football probably did become a little too important, think about all the people that you've been able to minister to because you played football. And yeah. Had you not, you know, I think all these young men that you poured into, you know, when you were coaching and mm-hmm. and when you are around uh, people and can, you know, I mean, punting for UCF, maybe back when we were there, you know, was okay, but that's a, that's a big deal to be able to say now you were the punter for UCF yeah. um, raised on the national radar. So I, I think for like most things, and you used the word earlier with me, sovereign, uh, God sovereignly and providentially navigated both of us uh, along the path that he had yeah. for us. And, um, We've both made bad decisions in our lives and chosen things that, you know, weren't the way God wanted us to go. But I don't, that's the beauty of a relationship with the Lord, right? He can take bad things and turn them into great things. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm definitely a firm believer, in, and I do appreciate that because, I mean, I'm definitely a firm believer in your ministry is where your two feet are. I mean, so no matter what, whether right. you're, um, whether you're at work, whether you're you're on a football field, whether you're in school, whatever, um, you know. And I'm an evangelist at heart, so I think everybody you need to grab everybody by the neck and beat Maybe them not the and neck. beat them upside the head with a Bible and yeah, tell them God yeah. loves them. That's I, I, that. And I can assure I can assure your <laughs> listeners that yeah. you were wired that way at. 19 and 20 years old. Yeah. I just, <clears throat> I just had this, uh, you know, I, I just, I literally have, and even to this day have a, a sorrow for people who don't know the Lord. It, cause, cause it just, it scares me for them. You know, I'm just, I, and I don't want, I don't want, I, I want, uh, I, I want, I, I want eternity for them to, to be something that, that God wants for them. And, and I just, when I see people that are lost, I just, I, I, I got to say something. And that's what, that's what amazes me that, <clears throat> that only 3% of professing Christians actually share the gospel on a regular basis. It just blows me away. That statistic just blows me away. But I, I well, you know, I think it's a fear thing. I think the devil clearly, um, 
you know, messes with Christians' minds and tells them, you know, things that, uh, you know, they, <clears throat> he's, he's crafty, you know, he, he did it at the, he did it with Adam and Eve. So he can, he can spin some things in your head and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, you're going to be a bigot or you're going to lose some friends here. You're, you know, you got to be careful. You got to know your Bible. You got to be a Bible scholar in order to witness to somebody. And it's just not true. No, it's not. And I think that, that one of the things that I would encourage your listeners to think about on that is, um, you and I are wired very differently um, as it relates to the evangelism piece of it. But our both our passions are to share Christ with the world. It's just, I'm not wired like you to just stop people and say something to them. And so, but I knew that I wanted to share the gospel and I just, I just found a way to do it in the way that God wired me. And I think all people who know Christ are responsible to share the gospel. But as Augustine once said, and all things share Christ when necessary, use words. Yeah. And I, I think uh, our life and it can be a tremendous witness to people. Sure. That opens or to two conversations. As yeah. Well. There's so, that's, that's you know, definitely right. Yeah. We, we talk about that on the show quite a bit. The two types of evangelism are incarnational evangelism, which is the way you live and the way you carry yourself. And, uh, and then informational evangelism is where you're actually speaking. And, it's in, and I think if you have a healthy combination of both um, incarnational and informational evangelism, God can, God can use both. But man, I, I, you know, I, I like to use words um, and be very uh, prescriptive with our words and, and questions uh, when, when you question somebody about what they believe, ask them questions. You know, here, here's the thing about evangelism that I know is that <clears throat> I know we as Christians always feel like we're in the corner and um, we have to defend our faith. Um, but I've, I've recently, um, I'd say probably in the past five years, just sort of turned the table a little bit on people. And when, when, they, when they, they have something to say derogatory about Christ or the Bible, then they're making the accusation. And in a court of law, when you make an accusation, you have to have proof. So I say, you know what, show me the proof. I'll put the Bible in front of them and say, open, open up that Bible and show me where that, um, show me where that contradiction is. And they go, well, I, I don't, I don't know where it's at. You know, it's cause you haven't read it and you're just, you're just, you're just reciting something that you heard. But well, even if they had read it, would they really understand even how to find something that was well, false it, or yeah. contradictory? Yeah, and it's and so and so I, I think as Christians, what we can do is um, one of the things that we can do is not only share the gospel, but also challenge people on what they believe. Tell me why it is that you believe what you believe. There is an atheist friend of mine that I've been trying to get on the show forever, and uh, I think he'll eventually come on the show. And I'm not going to beat him up, but I said I'd love to have a healthy debate with you because I know you believe in God, <clears throat> but you're just not you're just not admitting it. So um, <clears throat> you know, hopefully we get that opportunity to um, have him on the show, but. Um, um, I am, um, I'm, I'm absolutely proud of you, man, um, for what you have done and what you've, what you have, um, uh, allowed, you know, you've allowed God to just guide and direct. And, um, um, I'm super proud to know you and, um, I want to have some fun on, um, you know, I want us to go through some things, some lists, uh, favorite songs, favorite albums, stuff like that and uh so when we come back we're gonna talk we're gonna hash out who the best artist of all time who the best christian artist is of all time we're gonna hash it out we're gonna hash it out (laughs) and i I got one we're duking it out man i think i 
I think it's the I think the main title event is going to be Michael W. Smith and Stephen Curtis Chapman, and I got a case for Stephen Curtis Chapman. We'll be right back. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. So, I yours is your guy is Michael W. Smith. That's that's it. You're going to the mat with Michael W. Smith, right? Well, we need to define what we're calling the the most important or biggest artist of all time. We need we need to define. So, so there's rules to the game. To, if we have to say who's the most influential artist okay. in my life, yes, Michael. Okay. Well, and so okay. that and so that could be the different for anybody, right? That so that so that one. <clears throat> Um, so I, I'd say let, let's let's play the game. Let's let's play the game. Uh, uh, let's have a couple different versions. So the most influential, right. and then we'll, right. and then you'll you'll rattle off your top three, and then we'll say industry wide. And and you probably know the numbers better than I do. So you have a you know you've got a, it's an unfair like. Can you, you add a third? Can you add a third? What the biggest crush? Because I know who. Oh, was. the biggest crush. Oh. Okay, okay. Curly hair. So brunette. she knows how I felt about Amy Grant. So you know, it's. Yeah. I'm I mean, sure if I if I would have let him have a life size thing up in our room when we were first right. married, she he would have been fine with that. Yeah, I mean, in love with Amy, her. <laughs> a lot of guys had the Farrah Fawcett poster. I had the Amy Grant poster. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I had the I had the Amy Grant lead me on Sandy with the curly yeah. hair and the roses. Yes, yeah. Yeah. she yeah. was adorable. We saw her in concert with Stephen yeah, Chris Chapman this last was, summer. She's really adorable a still. Lot, a lot of fun. She's yeah. aged very well too. Yes, she is. So, all right. So, um, most influential in your life, uh, in in order, go from like three to three to one. All right, three to one. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm, I'm, I struggle a little with the third spot, but I would say um, it's probably Russ Taff in number three. And <laughs> honorable mention is Petra. Oh, Petra. <laughs> nice. Good call. Okay. Uh, number two, Amy Grant. Number three, Michael, or excuse me, number one, Michael Bibby Smith. Wow. So, so Stephen Curtis Chapman doesn't even enter the top three. No, uh, he's in the top five, but okay. no, not the all right. Uh, okay. And it was because I've walked with those other artists longer, you know. Okay, Stephen. so that's in, that's the influential, and that's the the personal. Because I get it. So so if mm -hmm. if Stephen Curtis Chapman, he's one of our listeners, I think. I doubt it. Um, that's a that's a joke. Um, yeah, but if he heard that, he would uh, maybe he would understand. Maybe he would understand. So my top three, my top yep. three of all time. Um, and you're going to be disappointed because Michael W. Smith isn't in my top three. All right. I, I can respect I, that. And I've got all time now. So Jason Crabb goes in as number three. Russ okay. Taff. I, yeah, Russ, Russ Taff at number two and Stephen Curtis Chapman yeah. at number one. Wow. Wow. Yes. Stephen at number one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I have him at number one. Um, and you know what I liked about Stephen Curtis Chapman um, the most growing up? In, in in my Christian walk, you know, he always had verses on each song. There was a verse that tied to the song. Did you notice that? Like, yeah, remember I, when you used to take the, the little card out of the, the cassette? Oh, like, yeah. we, we, yeah. we can't do this these days. It's crazy. You, these yeah. kids with these phones don't know what they're missing out on. So, you, 
you take the card out and it folds out, you know, mm -hmm. about a foot long and you got all the lyrics and at the top you've got who wrote the song and then and he always had a couple of verses and I love that. So I could, I would go to my Bible and I would read the verse and then I would listen to the song and then I would go to the next song and I would stop it and I would read the verse or verses and I'd, and I just love that about, about him. Oh yeah. Now, Stephen, I always enjoyed Stephen live and I, um, Actually, I have a very funny story about Stephen. Can I tell it? Sure, absolutely, man. Absolutely, bring it. Um, I got to uh, I got to watch Stephen get in trouble one time. Nice, bring it, bring it. Um, I um, I was probably twenty years old, and Stephen was kicking off the Great Adventure tour with the, his Night of Joy uh, performance. Okay. Um, the, the Sparrow That's, record yeah. rep got sick, and the label didn't want him around Stephen. So they called me, uh, because I was working at the record store at the time, and they said, would you mind going to get Stephen at the airport and drive him to his hotel, and you're going to have to get his wife, Mary Beth, as well. And I said, that'd be great. So I go pick him up. And, and, you, did, and you didn't call me because? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. So I'm driving them around town as a 20-year-old and a huge, huge fan of Stephen. And um, apparently, Stephen, if you remember the Great Adventure uh, photo shoot, they had taken pictures of Stephen in Times Square. And he had been there for the photo shoot, and he was uh, apparently supposed to pick up some Waterford Crystal that he forgot. Ooh. And... So he and Mary Beth have a little spat in my backseat, and here I am, a 21-year-old unmarried kid, the most uncomfortable, awkward <laughs> moment of my career to that moment. But it made for great humor down the road. Yeah, so, uh, so he's not perfect. Wow. He isn't. No, he isn't. Oh, and here I was uh, thinking he was perfect the whole time. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, you know what? I have spent quite a bit of time around Stephen through the years. I wouldn't say I know him well, but I have spent time with him and Russ. Yeah. He is the real deal and Mary Beth is the real deal and they love Jesus. Oh man, I'm telling you what, his book, My Story, yep. unbelievable. That is the most relatable book outside of the Bible that I've ever read in my life because Obviously, he's number one on my list. So when his book came out, I'm like, I'm buying that book. I'm and I, I literally read it. I, I couldn't stop reading it because he mentions these songs and 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 how he how he came to write that song and this song and that song. And I felt like I was literally living back in. I it threw me back physically and mentally. I was just like in a time capsule. It was so awesome. And the story of his daughter and and the way he he has handled himself through that is a testimony that. Uh, I, it's just to me the greatest testimony of Christ in someone that I that I know of. I mean, I, the the way that she the way that she lost her life. I, I mean, just the yeah. entire story is amazing to me. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty unbelievable how I can't I cannot imagine as a parent myself losing a child at the hand of another and yeah. having to walk through that. Mm. Um, either of those would be horrible together, unfathomable. Yeah. And even and Mary Beth handled it in a way that turned it into ministry and yeah. an opportunity to share the gospel. And you know what? That's what I love about Stephen Curtis Channel. 
Oh yeah, I do. And, and today he's still on fire. He does these, these little funny videos on Instagram. I follow him, and he just has so much fun, and uh, I really, really enjoy him and his family. So when Yvette got me tickets to uh, surprise surprise me, um, we saw him at the Biltmore um, in North Carolina, right, in, right there in Asheville. Beautiful setting. It was Amy Grant and and Michael W. Smith and. And no, it, Stephen Chapman. I'm sorry, Stephen Chris Chapman. And see, you're 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 trying to influence me subconsciously. You're trying you're trying to you're trying you want me to put Michael W. Smith in the top top three. I know you do. Um, but we sat right next to his right. His wife was literally right, right across the aisle from us. Like, she walked by and I said, I think that's Mary Beth yeah, Chapman. There, there she is. And she was right and, there. And I looked over and I said, Yeah, that's her. Yeah. And then when they were when he was done, she got up and walked out. And I guess they had somewhere they, they had, had some fr- had some people with them. Yeah, it looked like yeah, they had to but. Get what a what a great! But she sat right out there with everybody else. She wasn't like in the front. She was kind of right in the middle. And yeah. So oh, yeah. so if I had to if I had to pick my favorite songs from Stephen Curtis Chapman, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna go ahead and go with two: "Heaven in the Real World" and "Be Still." Be still and okay. no. Yeah, those are my two. Right. Those are my two favorite. Okay. And you'd think it'd be you know something like "The Great Adventure" and a lot of these more uh, popular whatever songs, but you know. So um, what now? What, what were favorite? Bill's favorite? What? Did you asked Bill, yeah. what Bill, what were your favorite two songs of um, Michael W. Michael Smith? Smith? Michael W. Smith. Oh my gosh, I can't even begin to. Uh, I, I mean, that's like asking who are your two favorite children. Uh, <laughs> so, like, so, so, it's, if you had to pick one song, and, and we're still on the, and we're still on the influential side. So, what's the All most right. influential Michael W. Smith song? Like, like your top one or two? Yeah, mine. Um, I would say I. I mean, Bub, it's hard to not say friends just mm-hmm. because yeah. of the significance of that in those days. But I'd say the song that, that, that really might be kind of a deeper cut on one of the records that, that always really ministered to me mm-hmm. was a song called Be Strong and Courageous, uh, based yeah. on Joshua chapter one. Yeah. And, um, I, I, that, that passage, uh, came to mean a lot to me, uh, through my career. And a lot of that introduction to that passage was from that song. So I, I think, I think I'd probably throw that out there. And I'd say an honorable mention is probably, um, oh man, there's just so many, but I really loved the song, I'll Lead You Home, the title cut of that record. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, it was, appropriate at a particular time in my life and uh i i just i came to to love it um i <clears throat> i will tell you one again one very funny story so john and andy Irwin, who may are the filmmakers that made i can only imagine and the recent jeremy camp movie i still believe mm-hmm. um they they are um i think i can talk about this they are making a documentary uh multi-part documentary on the history of christian music Ooh. And so um, they're uh, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, or executive producing. And um, last week, uh, I was asked to come do an interview as sort of a historian of Christian music. Nice. And as we were sitting there, they were asking me about Michael and his influence. And so I uh, uh, really, you know, had a chance to, to share my you know, appreciation for Michael and, and, and Michael's become a, a friend through the years. So, you know, I was able to talk about it in a way that really honored him. Um, and I look over and the cameraman is Ryan Smith, Michael's oldest son. And uh, <laughs> it was, it was really neat to be able to, you know, honor his dad in front of him. Wow. That's, 
that's that's awesome. That is incredible. Um, so, so now we got to move to uh, albums that are maybe the would you say the most important or the artists who are the most important to Christian music? Yeah, we could. Yeah, let's just lay, yeah, let's go there. But I have to I have to throw in uh, Jason Crab. My my favorite song by Jason Crab is Daystar. Just okay. Yeah. Look, yeah. Jason. Jason's a beast. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, he yep. just absolutely. And, and, and he, he, uh, he, I mean, if, if, if he was back in the day, yeah. like uh, how, I mean, what would, what would, what would Christian music be like if, if Jason Crabb was Jason Crabb back in the eighties? Right. Yeah. I mean, just, well, you know, the, the three voices that often get compared to each other, that are in very different generations and styles are Russ Taft, Jason Crabb, and Bart Miller. Mm-hmm. And while Bart's voice is smoother, it's not as gruff as the other two. Yeah. It's that, it's that powerful, just, if you've ever seen Bart live, it's, it's unbelievable to see him sing live. Yeah. And Jason and, and Russ, are, you know, are, and are the same. Yeah. Well, so Michael W. Smith and Marcy Me take my honorable mention on the influentials. So, um, okay. so, all right. all right. So now we're now we're we're changing things up a little bit. You're saying that the, the new okay. top three is most important. The, the, the importance to the industry. Most important. Uh, okay. So, so how about this? I'm not even going to say anything because I'm not in the industry. I'm a consumer of the industry. So okay. I'm gonna, I'm going to let you just take this and, and run with it. And okay. I'll, I'll opine as necessary. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So I, I will count down um, from uh, three down to one. Okay. okay. All right. I, I'm going to throw you a curveball at number two. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so I would say uh, when I think about the artists that had impact on the industry, meaning they didn't just do well in the industry. They grew the industry. Michael, Michael Jordan of, of Christian music. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. That's, that's a good way to say it. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, this, this is, this, you're going to have to go back with me on this okay. one. Okay. I'm, I'm, so, I'm in, I'm, I'm in the time capsule. Okay. So number three, I'm going to say, um, Sandy Patty. Oh yes. Okay? Oh wow. That's Absolutely. Amazing. Without right. question. So, so Sandy just really helped open up uh, Christian music. Um, if you'll want, uh, in one of the oddest ways, she sang the Star Spangled Banner um, for uh, the reopening of the Statue of Liberty, and it made ABC News, and uh, that opened up uh, people becoming extremely interested in her. That led to mm-hmm. interesting music. So I put Sandy there. Yeah. Um, Excellent. I, I, I will tell you that I'm um, I'm on the fence between number one and two and who holds the one and two spot. Okay. <clears throat> but um, because my well, who I'm going to tell you is number two, there's an argument <laughs> that they're number one. Okay. All so right. Number two is Bill Gaither. Oh, yes. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Gaither vocal band. Okay. Yes. So, what a lot of people don't realize is Bill signed a lot of artists early on that became some of the biggest names in Christian music, and then went on to 
you know, sort of memorialize the history of Christian music through his Homecoming series. Right, yep. I remember um, that. Just, and is he and his wife are truly some of the greatest songwriters to ever walk the earth. Yeah. Uh, wow. Because he lived, uh, yep. he touched. I mean, we could just go down the list, right? So I'm putting Bill there. And then number one is, is Amy Graham. Amy Graham. Yes. I would Amy completely Grant. agree with that one. That's, that's yeah. who I was going to say, because that was the first yeah. artist that I was ever really introduced to. I mean, I grew up Catholic, yeah. but but we yeah, didn't listen to Christian contemporary music. And my brother started listening, and the first person he introduced me to was Amy Grant. And I was like, this is Christian music. I couldn't get over it. And she was so cute, and she had such <laughs> a fun attitude. And I think I was a she sophomore. She wasn't just cute, She by was the way. Okay. She, she was, she's she she's was, not my type, she but I can appreciate that. <laughs> he's getting, see, Bill, he's still getting so excited about her. Um, but no, she was the first one that I, that was my first experience. That and Russ Tapp and Petra and Michael W. Smith. It was just that whole yeah. group. It went, I want to say it was 84, probably, 80, yep. probably or 84, 85. Yep. Well, Amy, um, her first, uh, well, she had several records. She did four or five. And then she put out an album called Age to Age that mm -hmm. had a song on it called El Shaddai. Mm -hmm. And that, that exploded. It became the, the first artist-driven album to go platinum or sell a million copies. Wow. And then she did a Christmas record right after that that exploded. Still my favorite Had one Christmas. of my favorite songs on it, Tennessee Christmas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love that. And then the next record was Straight Ahead with songs like Jehovah and um, Angels Watching Over Me, Thy Word. I mean, it, it, it mm -hmm. is still one I pull out regularly and listen to. And then she created the masterpiece. Uh, well, after that was Unguarded, which crossed her into pop music yeah. and opened up Christian music to the pop world. She had a top 40 radio single from that. And then she created the masterpiece. Um, which was um, Lead Me On. Mm -hmm. And she did a Christmas record between those. But Lead Me On is still one of the greatest albums ever made, period, not just Christian music. Um, and then progressed forward to Heart in Motion, and she went back to the pop charts and had a number one hit single on the top 40 chart called Baby Baby. Yep. So it wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't just a once in a while. It was um, it was a sustained, I mean, it was 12, 13 years of being at the top and in taking Christian music to completely new audiences. So I think those are my three, Bob. Man, that's um, that's a good, I, I wouldn't disagree at all with, with that. And um, yeah, Amy, she, she I mean, and, and, she, I mean, obviously she had the, she had the look, she had the voice, that raspy, yep. that raspy, you know, and it was just, she was fun to, she, and she was bubbly, you know, there was an energy to her that, and, and you just felt like even when you were listening to her that she was smiling when she was singing. Well, and she had great people around her, Brown Bannister, one of the finest producers ever in Christian music, um, Mike Blanton, uh, an incredible executive producer and A&R guy, um, she had great songs. Um, she had wonderful distribution with her record label, Myrrh. 
and it just all kind of came together in the right way at the right time and took Christian music from being something that was sung at Southern Gospel and churches around the South to being something on mainstream radio. Yeah. That's excellent. Man, I'll tell you what, I just feel like I just went through a... Well, that's a perfect segue into your your yeah. thoughts on Christian music, contemporary, and, and the music yeah, that's exactly. in churches today. Um, yeah, so we, um, when we come back, um, and I know this show's running a little bit long, but you, I, I'm sure that whoever's listening is loving this. We typically um, go about 40 minutes or so, and we're in. But I, 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 I want to just, I want to get your take on something um, with regard to churches today and music today. Um, the struggles that some churches are having. Um, we'll get. We'll be right back. All right. So, Bill, I go to a, a little tiny country church out in the middle of nowhere up here in, uh, or I'd say up here, over here, you're in California now, um, in North Carolina. And it's just a choir, just old school choir. Um, I'm 50 years old and I'm young in this church. I am. Yes. I'm like, why? Yeah. That's why you'll never leave because you're yeah. young at this church. It makes me feel so young. young. Um, so yeah. And so if, and, Truly, if my church doesn't do anything right now and just continues down the road that they're continuing, um, they're they literally they're going to be it's going to be a dead church in ten years uh, if that if, if it lasts if so that. long. And mm-hmm. and so just a little backdrop on this. And there's a lot of churches like this, maybe not just necessarily country churches, but I, I you know very familiar with many churches in the area. This is an expository preaching uh, church that still calls itself a Baptist church. Um, which I know is a new thing. A lot of Baptist churches are um, scrubbing the word Baptist off of their off of their title and in uh, the title of their their church and calling it something fun like emerging or uh, that's a good know, name. Truly, <laughs> I've heard that one. Whatever I, you know, just something catchy and whatever. And so my thoughts on this, and these are just my personal thoughts, but I do want to get your take. It feels like churches are trying to be hip. They, they want new music, which I understand. I'm a drummer, so it's very, very hard for me to not hear. I mean, I don't, I like drums in a church. I don't, I don't, I'm not, an, I'm not anti drums in a church. And I got some funny stories about bringing drums into church, man. I got, I had this one lady, old lady came up to me. And she told me I was the devil. Like, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> um, there, it seems like there's a struggle, right? There's this, there's this, there's this desire. First of all, it's the wrong desire for churches to, I feel like, you know, for the purposes of numbers, have big programs and big music and this and that and the other. Um, but they're getting the numbers, right? And, um, and, and with that, you find a lot of um, the expository preaching is kind of, kind of gone by the wayside. And now we have a lot of topical preaching. Uh, more music than than we used to have, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the, but you got less of the actual word. Um, so it seems like the topical preaching, punchy churches, you know, diet Christianity maybe a little bit, and 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 I'm really want to speak more to the music because I don't you know I don't want to get too you know uh, I, I don't know I just I personally think churches are preaching a little bit lighter uh, version of Christianity. 
and having more fun and more music and more programs to attract. And I think it's a little bit dangerous in many ways. But then what happens to the church like mine, who's preaching the gospel, preaching right out of the Bible, day in and day out? Uh, it seems like the, uh, the, the kids, the younger generations, just don't want to be a part of that anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you're posing a conundrum that is faith churches quite a bit since Really, the last 30 or 40 years, churches morphed from small community churches to what's commonly called a mega church, and uh, even a season of what they call seeker-driven churches. And um, and it, it, it's the ongoing debate, right? And one of the interesting things that, that I get to see from my seat is, you know, more more of a national flavor, even sometimes international flavor of what's happening. You know, we're very involved with other ministries around the world, like Hillsong out of Australia. We, we, we get to see how the Lord moves through the church. And, you know, I think what I'd say to you is um, something that was said to me uh, several years ago by an author that I have a lot of respect for, haven't met him, but I heard him speak, and um, his name's Francis Chan. And Francis said, and I'm probably butchering this because he's more eloquent than me, but if Christ came to earth today and stepped into one of our churches, I'm not sure he would recognize it as the church. And it really it really hit home with me and, and my wife, Heidi, and it it caused us, almost 10 years ago to really think about the question that you're posing here, which while you're posing it as a teaching versus music, I think at the heart of it is the question of how does the church stay relevant without losing its saltiness, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you balance those things? Um, how do you attract younger audience members or congregation uh, you know uh, members that that love music and that's an important part of what of how they worship um, with sort of a perception that maybe they don't want to hear uh, they don't the older generation doesn't always think they want to hear direct truth or sin called sin or hell called hell or mm -hmm. you know that Jesus is the only way uh, and so we're where I've landed is certainly ever evolving as the church ever evolves. Um, I would say that I do think there are times where people have uh, put too much emphasis on music or teaching instead of just being solid in whatever is delivered. You know, I mean, it used to bother me that in my little Baptist church growing up that um, there were times where even as a child, not even being able to articulate what the Holy Spirit is, I knew there were times where things were really powerful in the music, and I wanted the music to keep going, but the preacher wanted to preach. Yeah, and yeah. That, yeah. I, and that was a myth. Whereas there's other times where, you know what, that, that music, it's just not right theologically, and we shouldn't be singing it, and we've got a really on-fire preacher right now who's you know, really clearly God's speaking through through him. We need to give him more time. Um, 
But what, where I look for health in a church really certainly is the Bible teaching and is it solid? Mm-hmm. And the music, are we, you know, just because we're singing it doesn't make it right. It's still got to be theologically sound. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so, and I got a lot of depth of theology out of the old hymns and the songs that we used to sing. And a lot of the songs today are just shallow. Yes. You know? and, and so it's, it's weak. But, yeah, yeah. But, but the, the truth, where I started to look, Bob, was, I felt like I was focusing a lot on the lower C church, the you know the the local church, and not as much on the capital C church, the body of Christ. And if if a local church is truly the body of Christ, I think um, you'll see it in the fruit of the church, and you'll see it in you know are people getting saved, are people in the community being served, are Christians serving each other. Or is it just, I want to build another building and preach another sermon and sing another song? If it's the latter, there's probably something wrong with the heartbeat of the church. So, and I think of the church, that the capital C church is really alive within the little C church, the local church. I think the teaching will reflect that, and I think the music will reflect that. So, and, so I, I have a question for you then. So, you know, and I agree with everything you, you've said. I think the music, uh, some of the worship music, I mean, it's crossover at best. It's uh, just repetitive, very, very, there's no meat on the bone. It's just, it's, it's almost um, mesmerizing, yeah. you know, like you're just like, you're, you're in a fog when, when you're listening to it. So that's why I love hymns because they're just so, uh, they're, they're, they're Bible centric. I love when, when I go to church and they take a hymn. And they make it. Yeah, they they, do that they, mean, yeah. they lift it. You know, they double time. You know, they yeah. make it more fun. Make it fun, yeah. But it's still the exact hymn. Yeah, Th- Jason those, Crabb does perfect. that. And, you know, and some stuff. But, but so so but but you know, and I think if if people are being saved, I, you, I mean, that to me is that's it, right? If, if people are getting saved. But here's here's the question I have: when when someone when I'm talking to somebody, and here's the informational guy, right? The guy that you say you know, you're not so much, but you know, like, you know, this is who I am. I will literally someone says that they're a Christian. I ask them where they go to church. Um, I know most churches. I know most pastors, what they preach. Um, and, um, you know, so certain churches I'll ask, and, and most people, I don't take it on face value, basically, when someone says they're a Christian. I ask them questions. Oh, really? Oh, you're a Christian? Great. I'm, um, I, I, I ask Christians all the time, people who say they're Christian, I will say, um, I just want to ask you a question. If I was lying on the ground with a knife in my back and I was pouring out blood and I had two minutes to live and I asked you how to get to heaven, what would you tell me? And you will be amazed at some of the answers that oh, I hear. I can only imagine. Out of people who say they're, they're Christian. I mean, they'll go on for two minutes and never mention Christ's name at all. Like, yep. you know, and I'm, and I'm counting down. Okay, I got a minute and 30 left. Tell me more. Um, yep. You know, and, I, and I'm asking them questions along the way, and there's so many people that, that say they're Christian that cannot articulate their faith. And, and I'm not talking like, I'm talking snack bar. They're hitting foul balls off into the snack bar where, they, where they're selling popcorn and peanuts. Like, it's not even in the park. Uh, and, and Bubba, that's why I think it's at the core of your question is, you know, one of the things that I, I've been super dedicated to over the last 20 years is just biblical literacy in general because mm-hmm. pastors aren't teaching it songs aren't singing it and 
we, we've now got a whole generation of like parents that don't even know how to teach their Bible to their kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that starts at the church level. And, um, I think when we, when we look out and we see a generation of kids who are walking away from the church is we've dove into why they're leaving the local church. It's not that they want to leave God. It's not that they want to leave a relationship with Christ. It's they're just tired of going and feeling like all they're ever, all that ever happens is they're entertained, right? The smoke machines and the light show and the, yeah. the, the you know, the soft preaching and, I remember my daughter at 19 years old looked at me uh, and we were coming out of church one day and it had just been a entertainment show, no real depth. And she just looked at me almost with desperation and said, dad, can we just go somewhere where they just teach the Bible? Good for her. And not, not be in a place that's just about entertaining me all the time. Dude, I would have seen entertainment's bad. I spent my whole career in the entertainment business. Right. But when I go to church, I want to be with a body of believers who are edifying, encouraging, challenging each other with God's word, yep. with great music. And one example of how I know the church is hungry for it. Um, so I, I have a friend named Keith Getty, and Keith wrote, uh, co-wrote a song, uh, gosh, maybe 20 years ago, even now. It's hard to believe it could be that old, maybe 15 you're you're old. you're pretty old, man. So just keep just yeah, keep keeping. Yeah, it is for sure. <laughs> um, a song called "In Christ Alone," and it's yeah. a it's kind of a modern day hymn. Yes, and it the church still just it's one of the most sung songs in churches uh, even today because I think it was finally a song that was certainly musically beautiful, but lyrically deep. And I think the church is hungry for that. Yes. And, and Christ alone was a great example of that. So I think, um, so So as, as we wrap up, I mean, with the coronavirus and you've got fake news and all this other stuff, I mean, I think that, I think that even non-Christians want, they're looking for something that's true that they can believe in. I mean, and I think, and as we said in our last show, being a Christian today is the most exciting. I mean, it really, these are the, this is the most exciting time to be a Christian because the, there, there's so, there's so much work to be done and God can use you because people are looking for the truth. They, they want it. Well, well I can tell you for sure, uh, Bubba, that that's true. And, uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. We, um, uh, our call, you know, one of the ministry tools that we use is, uh, or that we offer people is a 24-hour prayer line, and people can call in. I can assure you, by from tracking the things that people are talking about mm-hmm. during this season, people are turning to the Lord because they're desperate. All the things that they had put their trust in, their 401ks, their real estate, their cars, their girlfriends, their wives, their uh, you know, their jobs, they, they were gone just, I mean, in like a week it was gone Yep. and people really, it, it drove them back to the things that matter, like their family and their kids and, and certainly most importantly, their faith. Yeah. So we've seen it and we did a, we did a show, we helped produce a show about two weeks ago with Chris Tomlin and Max Licato and it was a good Friday 
uh, one-hour Easter service that we streamed online uh, with our, our television partner, TBN. And it was the most viewed uh, digital content that EMF had ever offered in 38 years. Wow. And guys, we, we've had some big things, but we've never had the kind of volume that we had on that on that Good Friday evening. Is and that somewhere we can watch that? Yeah, that you can go to the K-Love Facebook page and um, look under videos. And, you know, you got to click over because we've posted some new ones, but um, that that's still there uh, and, and will be there uh, indefinitely. <laughs> you can also go to TBN's website and watch it there. But it, it's unbelievable, and it shows the hunger of people through this season. And um, we, we had a, a company do a study that they gave us research last week. Um, one of only two radio formats is going up in popularity and, and listenership during this, and it's talk radio and Christian radio. And, nice. Um, we, guys, people... We've said it all our lives, Bubba. People have a God-shaped hole in their heart, and until they fill it with God, uh, they're just going to be searching, and now they're searching more than ever. Well, and with that said, we have to bring Don Knotts, uh, also known as Barney Fife, into the mix, because he has something to say about the heart of man. Inside that man's body is a little child calling out for help. Help me, help me, he's saying. <laughs> help me, help me. And, um, you know, um, you know, God's there to help us. Um, and he's been so, so good to us. Um, so I, you know, I, I, Bill, it's, it's really been incredible, um, uh, journeying through, uh, everything that, that you've done and the experiences that you had. And, and it really hits home because I mean, I was your roommate back when you got your start. Remember when I, remember when I influenced you to move in this direction? Remember that? Yeah. I do. Don't forget. I think it was the drum kit, and and we have to, and we do have to admit, Bob. The other thing we have in common, as much as we love Christian music, we're big Toto fans. Oh, and, Toto, oh, get out of town! They are the best. Africa. You know, yeah. I was just talking to a millennial the other day, and he was talking about all these bands. I said, here, I gave him the Toto Fahrenheit album, and said, look, <clears throat> listen to Toto Fahrenheit, and then go listen to Toto Poland live. And uh, he yeah. came back the next day, and he's like, dude, Toto rocks. I'm like, yeah, there you go, son. <laughs> I just gave you a gift. <laughs> <laughs> that was your wisdom. So, right. yeah, Toto is. All right, so so real quick, Toto, fa most uh, favorite song? What? Ooh, Toto favorite song. Oh, my goodness. Bob, that's a tough one. Um, Rosanna. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say well, that. Well, that's because you're a that's because you're a drummer. I love the shuffle on that I, one. You like the video. Yeah. The ghost, the, yeah. the, the ghost notes played in that are just incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've got to probably just stick with the standard. It's for me, it's Africa. I knew you were oh, gonna go in Africa. I knew it. That's like yeah. saying, but that's like saying that John three sixteen is your favorite verse. I mean, come on. You know, <laughs> I have a friend that I've that I've known since like, we were five, and her dad, when we were in middle school, we used to have these parties, and her dad loved that song, and he's a yeah. big attorney down in West Palm. I still will send things like, "I heard your dad's song today," and I mean, we're talking yeah. thirty, probably thirty-five years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, there's the beauty of that song. Real quick, I know we're wrapping up. Is that 
it actually makes you think you're there. It's a little bit like Christopher yeah. Cross's song "Sailing." You actually yeah. feel like you're like on a boat out in the middle of the water. Yeah, it's no, just, it's it is it is kind of true though. Sailing, there's an old one. Man, we we probably have to have another show, a secular. Uh, we'll just do a secular version of this. Well, let's let's do it because um, I've got I've got some really fun stories from there too. In fact, just sat in the home of Michael O'Martian, who produced that Christopher Cross record, wow. and won a Grammy for producing it. So we we got some good mainstream stories too. All right, so just uh, whenever you um, feel like you need someone to hang on your tail and um, you know uh, get you drinks and stuff, get you guys drinks and stuff like that, let me know. Just fly me in, and um, and I'll uh, I'll even wear white gloves we'll so. and a mask and a mask. <laughs> yeah, you know they're not selling bikinis anymore. They call them trikinis. They're the top, the bottom, and the mask. <laughs> They're trikinis. <laughs> oh, and also, good. also in news, uh, I, I forgot to mention uh, something pretty funny though. It, it, it appears as if, and I read an article that uh, Baptists um, are are really delighted at the fact that they can now wear masks in a liquor store. That was a headline out of uh, yes, I know. That's bad. That's bad. Very good. You can say that because you're Baptist. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm Baptist. I, I like to say I'm a Christian that goes to a Baptist church. People ask me, "Are you there Baptist? You are you Methodist? Are you this or that?" I said, "No, I'm a Christian, and I happen to attend a Baptist church." So, right. I'm a Christ follower first. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, hey, man, Amen. we lo we love you. I'm so glad to have you on the Thank show. It was Thanks, so Bill. much fun. Absolutely honored to be with you. Thanks for having me. Love you guys. So Love how so so how can how can uh, what's the best way to listen to Caleb? Go to the rate. Go to the the website. I mean, tell listeners where they yeah. can go. Yep, go to klove.com and or air one the number one dot com and uh, we have uh, station locators for your city. We have a thousand and four frequencies across the country. Wow, uh, we're in most major cities. And um, if you can't find one in your area, then you can stream both networks uh, on those websites. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Well, hey, we, we appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bill. Um, Hugs we, to the family, absolutely. especially to Heidi. You absolutely. Guys. All right. Uh, you, you guys go out there and uh, love, love on your family. Throw a mask on if you want. You know, read your Bible. Just love on somebody. Don't grab them by the neck and slam them up, slam the Bible upside their head, but just... You know, give them some information, too. I'm going to go ahead and throw the old informational plug in there. Love you guys. <laughs> Bye now.